0: Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. If you've got a Bible, I want you to open up to Malachi chapter 3 and put a marker in Deuteronomy 12. Malachi 3, Deuteronomy 12, we're not even going to get to those passages until... The middle of the message. We're continuing our First Love Again series this weekend. And we're gonna talk about the church, which means the title of this message is what? Love the Church. And we're gonna try and answer three extremely important questions in regards to the church. So let's jump right in. Question number one: What is the church? What is the church? Okay, before we answer the question, what is the church, we really need to talk about what the church isn't. So let me give you two things that the church is not. Here's the first one. The church is not defined by you or me. The church is not defined by you. If, if we said, or if I said, uh, why don't you come up with the definition for the church that you think is personally appropriate. I think we've defined a decent number, a small to decent number of definitions that go something like this. Church, an earthly business entity where a pastor gets me to do the work he is paid to do while getting me to give him my money. (laughs) I laughed at that too the two times I ran through this message already. That definition might be in your head, but that definition is not in God's word. Your definition of church is not the definition of church. Any definition of church that is based on what you think rather than what God says is faulty. It's not a good definition because the church is not defined by you Or me. Here's the second thing. The church is not. The church is not you. I'm going to mess with some of you with this one. The church is not you. Now, 1 Corinthians 3.16, a verse that if you took it out of context, you could make it sound like. Scripture was saying that you and you alone are the church. Let's read it together. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? This is kind of a phrase as pastors we hear from time to time. It goes something like this. I'm not a part of a local church because I belong to the universal church or the church. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. Somebody who says, I don't go to a local church because I am the church is like someone enlisting in the Navy but saying, I refuse to get on a ship. Just let that one sing in for a sec. I don't go to church. And, and let me just say, there's some really strong one-liners in this message. I'm gonna try and be as sweet as I possibly can and just go like this. Uh, I, I don't even wanna tell you what J.I. Packer, one of the sweetest godly men in the history of the church, says about a Christian who says they don't go to church. Just Google it. But if you think some of the things I say in this message are strong, you will feel like I am a sweetheart this Valentine's Day. Because J.I. Packer goes right after it. 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's read a couple of passages that help us understand I alone am not the church. 1 Peter 2.5. And you, that sounds singular, are living stones. Definitely not singular. Plural. So the you must be therefore plural. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. 2 Corinthians 6.16 For we, that is definitively plural, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them. Not just one, in them. And walk among them. 1 Corinthians 12.27 All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. This verse alone is all the evidence that any of us need to no longer be able to say, I am the church. No, no, no. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, I'm part of the church. I'm not the whole of it. Let me give it to you in my kind of vernacular. I am not it, the church. I am part of it, which means only together we. Are we it? I'm not it all by myself. Okay, so that's what the church isn't. Let's talk about what the church is. Two things. Here's what you need to understand. The church is a people but there's not a period there and a place. The church is a people and a place. Okay, let's talk about the place first. What place is the church? It's the house of God. The place where the church meets is the house of God. Acts 2, 44, and all the believers met together in one place. Now we know that they also met from house to house, right? But they also met where? Where was the one place? The temple and house to house. Another way to say it, the church doesn't meet in my bedroom while I'm on my mattress watching church online. I know a couple might get mad at me on that one. The church is the house of God. Remember when Jesus, as a young boy, snuck away from his mom and dad? Remember that whole episode? He sneaks away. Mary freaks out. I mean, they're they're freaking out. Where is Jesus? Remember where he was? Watch. I'll read it to you. Luke 2, 49. Jesus says, why did you need to search for me? Like, duh, you know where I would be. And he tells us, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus himself called the temple, the house of God, the place where the people of God met. Jesus called the house of God. 1 Timothy 3, verse 14 and 15. Paul says to Timothy, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household, the house of God. This is the church of the living God. The house of God is the church of the living God, which is the pillar, I love that word, the pillar and foundation of truth. The church is the pillar of truth. One of the reasons I think it might be so easy to leave church these days is because so many people see it as a building rather than the house of God. Can I tell you one of the things? If if you want to really get me riled up, just come up to me and go, the church is not a building. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. And I get what people are saying. I know what you're trying to say, but you're not actually theologically accurate. The church is not a building. That's not what Jesus said. It's the house of God. So, So let me just say, not only is it not just a building, it's the most important building on the earth. So why have we been sucked into this belief? The church is not a building. Okay. If what you mean is the church is not just a building, then I completely agree with you. But if you're trying to make the case with me that the church is not at all ever a building, you disagree with Jesus. Because Jesus called the place where the people of God met the house of God. And Paul says to Timothy, You want to know what the house of God is? It's the church of the living God. So let me give you kind of my definition of the house of God. It's the place where the people of God serve and celebrate with the family of God, worshiping the one true God in the presence of God. Well, wait a minute, Preston. I don't hear lost people mentioned anywhere in your definition of the house of God. Let me tell you why. Because when the lost see the people of God serving one another sacrificially, worshiping extravagantly, and experience the presence of God undeniably, the lost don't stay lost for long. They get found really fast. If they come into the house of God and see the people of God serving one another sacrificially, worshiping the God of the universe extravagantly, and experiencing the presence of God undeniably, I am convinced those who do not yet know the love of God will find it extremely difficult to keep running from it. But it happens in the house of God. I get it can happen anywhere else, but the house of God is the most important building on the planet. Okay, so before you get too mad at me, because I'm hammering on that, let's get to the other part, because we said the church is a people and a place, right? So I kind of walked you in with the place. Now let's talk about the people, the people of God. This comes from the Greek word ekklesia, really comes from two words, the Greek word ek and the Greek word kaleo, ek meaning out from and to, kaleo meaning to call. Brad, I've heard him say this so many times. He likes to say it like this a called out people. And it definitely is, that's one of the definitions of ecclesia. But it's also, so that's like a, the spiritual term, it's also a legal term. It has a legal meaning. And, and here's, here's the picture a gathered group of citizens in a specific place for a specific reason. It's a called out people. A gathering of people that come to one place. So we can't just say that the church is a people, not a building. No, it's a people that meet together in one specific place for a very specific reason. Here's the way I would say it as we think about place, it, it, you know, just being a place and it being the people of God. The church is not just a place I go to, it is a family I belong to. This is why it's so important to understand the church is the house of God, but it's also the people of God. This is Romans chapter 12, verses four and five. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part, that's you, has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. It's you. You have a part. Like like an arm, like a hand, like a foot. You have a part in Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, speaking to believers, and we all belong to each other. That's a strong statement. Think about that kind of romantic language. Where does that sound eerily... Uh, similar to what, what does it sound similar to what God says in his word to me as a husband pressing your body doesn't belong to you it belongs to Holly Holly's body doesn't belong to her it belongs to you the same language is used for the people of God we as many parts of one body belong to one another And I know that you've probably heard online over the last couple of weeks that this is our last weekend for the public live stream of our service. Remember, before the pandemic, we didn't do that. And this is the last weekend we're going to open up our, our live streaming of the service to the public. Here's what that means we're not doing away with it completely, we're doing away with the public live stream. We have members of our family who serve the military overseas, who want to try and stay connected to their church so that when they come back, they can get right back in the fold. We have people who have taken assignments in, in other parts of the country for a week, weeks, months. They want to stay connected to their church because they're coming back. There are people who, who are sick or maybe older and, and feel susceptible. And so they feel a very strong conviction, as they rightly should, to stay home and join their church. We're not taking away the live stream, from any of those people. We're just trying to make it easier to come back home. This had me thinking this week, because I knew this weekend was coming. It had me thinking. What would it be like if the people of God tried to have a long-distance relationship with the house of God. So would it look like if the people of God tried to carry on a long distance relationship with the house of God? Here's the answer. Like a married couple connecting relationally via FaceTime while being close enough locationally to do so much more in real time. This is why I believe I felt the Lord say, Preston, my church is sleepy. And I don't want you making it easy for her to stay asleep any longer. We belong together. The people of God coming together in the house of God. A long-distance relationship keeps us close enough to feel connected, but not close enough to give what they need or to get what I need. That's why Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, and let us not, some translations say, do not neglect our meeting together as the church, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This brings us to question number two. Why should I go to church? Okay, what is the church? Why should I go to church? Here's the first answer. Of course, this is not an exhaustive list. We'll just jump right in the deep end of the pool. Why should you go to church? Because you need what we have. <laughs> I just figured I'd, I'd go with the one you'll probably be the most mad at me about. You need what we have. 1 Corinthians 12, 20. I didn't, I didn't come up with that. I want you to know that. If this is 1 Corinthians 12:20. But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye, a part of the body, cannot say to the hand, another part of the body, I have no need for you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need for you. God created every child of God to need the people of God, which is why he sets us in the family. Of God, No member of God's family can look at the rest of the family, the church, and say, I do not need you. You need what we have. Now, before you get too mad at me, let me give you the second answer to the question. We need what you have. See, so you need to repent if you got too mad at me. We need, I need what you have. You need me. I need you. That's how God created his family to work. Paul's talking in Ephesians chapter four about the church. And he says, Jesus is the head of the church. Then in verse 16, he says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, every joint, every part of the body supplies something to the rest of the body, according to the effective working by which every part does its share or part what God gifted and anointed us to do, which causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Let me help you understand it like this. If you call this your church home, your gift and gifts are like a dish on God's menu for this church. And when you're not here serving in the spot where God divinely gifted and anointed you to serve. Here's what we have to say to people. I'm sorry, we're not able to serve that dish today. Or worse, a much more difficult and complicated situation is when someone else with a different gift who loves the church, the bride of Christ, says, well, we can't have no one serve, So I'll serve. So you have someone with no bedside manner whatsoever who's never had a child before go into the children's ministry and just walk around being mean to people. We would never let that happen. But sometimes there are churches that are so desperate. Here's the philosophy of serving. Just take anybody. Here's my dream here. I want every person who calls this church their home to faithfully serve the God of the universe and the head of this church using the gift and gifts the God of the universe divinely gave to them. I want you to find your divine sweet spot here. Oppressed in the church must need more volunteers. That's not what this is about. We need you. We need what you do. How terrible would it be to come to a church where all the greeters are grumpy? But if you've been given the divine gift of encouragement, I can already tell you a great place where you could serve in the house of God. At the front door where grumpy people can smile because of yours. We have what you need, but you have what we need. We need one another. Here's the third answer to the question. Why should I go to church? Because your heart is there. You should go to church because your heart is there. We have a sign in the middle of our lobby. This is really important to me. This is a value of mine and ours. I said to the staff, I want to pastor a church where I can say to people, don't come here, don't come here. I wanna shoot straight with people, do not come here. If you don't wanna grow, don't come here. If you don't like a spirit-led church, don't come here. If you don't like the word of God, don't come here because you're gonna hate my messages. If you just wanna sit, It's not what God wants for you here. So they're so much sweeter than I am, they snuck the word just in there. And so in the lobby it says, don't just come here. But the scriptural principle is, you know why we should come to church? Not because we have to, but because we want to. Because our hearts are there. God doesn't want you to just come to church. He wants you to want to come to church. Psalm 122, verse 1. I was glad. I was ebullient. I was overwhelmed with joy when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Ha, Preston, shows how much you know. I don't come to church because my heart is there, my heart is not in the church. I come to church out of obligation and tradition. Well, Jesus said something about that. He said, if you don't come to church because your heart is here, there can only be one reason. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I wonder
1: if one of the reasons
0: it's so easy to leave a church these days is because so few hearts are found in the church these days. Think about it like this. I wanna try to illustrate Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And don't think we're just talking about money. Please don't convince yourself that the only valuable thing you have on this earth is money. I have told you before, if you ever make me choose between your money, which I actually don't believe it's yours or mine, everything in heaven and on earth belongs to God, scripture says, nonetheless, please don't think your money is the most important thing about you. I've told you before, if you ever make me choose between your money and you, I'd rather have you here every week for the rest of your life then your tithe every two weeks for the rest of your life. That's between you and God. I'm not telling you don't tithe. It's not my tithe. The tithe belongs to God. I'm just telling you, as a pastor, if I had to choose, Preston's telling people don't tithe. No, he's not. He's just trying to help you understand your money is not the most important treasure you have. You are. Your gifts are even more important than your money. Think about it like this, Matthew 6, 21. Uh, If I put money from my retirement into a stock today, you know what I would do? I would begin watching, monitoring that stock. Why? I haven't been monitoring it for the last four years. Why am I now monitoring it? because I'm invested in it. Jesus said, I've come up with a foolproof way to ensure you love my bride as much as I do. You bring your treasure there. Here's the fourth answer to the question. Why should I go to church? Because it's where the family of God has its weekly family meal. There's two parts of this, family of God and a weekly family meal. It's easy to leave a church when you don't see them as a family. It's easy to leave. If some of you are, are conspiracy theorists and you're going, man, we must have a lot of people leaving our church. No, no, every church these days, people are leaving in droves. This is not a, a, an us thing. This, is a, this has become a body of Christ. Thing. Think about it like this. I know uh, when somebody doesn't see the church as a family based upon how they leave it. Think about it. Can you imagine sitting at a table with your heavenly Father and your spiritual siblings? Just think about it. That's what church is. Come into the house of God. Sit at the table with God, with the family of God, your spiritual siblings. Can you imagine literally sitting at a table with your heavenly father and your spiritual siblings? And out of nowhere at the meal, getting up, not saying a word, passive aggressively walking out the door. And yet it happens every single week in a church in this valley. I think Satan has tricked the family of God into thinking the church is just a silly building because it's easy to leave a building, but it is hard to leave a family. Now, please hear my heart. I, I know that there's such a thing as spiritual abuse. Please hear me. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about this era of consumerism in the church where if I don't like something, I don't like eggs like that, so I'm out of here. Can you imagine the look on your father's face? This is what I tell people when they come here. They're like, I I love this church. I I literally tell people when we teach this in our new members class, if God did not lead you here, don't stay here. Go wherever he leads you to go to church. And then they say, don't you want to grow your church? Here's what I say, that's not my job. That's what Jesus said is his job. I will build my church. My job is to build the kingdom. And as a daddy and a husband, here's why I don't want you to come here if the Spirit of God doesn't lead you here, because there won't be an anointing for your family to receive ministry and to minister in this place. I want you to experience heaven opening up over you when you serve. But if you go somewhere, God doesn't tell you to go. You're not going to experience it. That's why every time somebody leaves any church without saying a thing, I just, I think about the look on the father's face because they are getting up from the family table without a word. And God was really wanting them just to stay at the table. Second part, it's easy not to come to church when you don't understand it's our weekly family meal. Remember what answer number four was, it's where the family of God has its weekly family meal. Now, if you open up to Malachi 3, I'm about to take you in a direction you've probably never heard Malachi 3 because some of you already know this chapter, and you know where I'm going. Preston's about to talk about the tithe. Okay, the point isn't, notice in in point number one, what is the church? I did not put in an answer, even though it would have been theologically theologically accurate. It's the place where the tithe is received. But I didn't do that, because I want you to see the tithe differently. Malachi chapter three, starting in verse eight. Let's read it together. This is God talking, and I'm gonna read with emphasis. Will a man rob God? How do you know it's emphatic? Because this run has an exclamation mark. Yet you have robbed me. This is God talking. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, his people, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Everybody gets so focused on, in Malachi 3, on the what and the where. The what is the tithe. The where is the house of God. But how come few people focus on the why? Why does everybody focus on the what? the tithe. And God's angry about it. But I wonder why he's so riled up about the tithe. Is it just because someone is stealing or is it because what that's stealing doesn't allow to happen in his house? The why is the food. God's so strong. I believe In Malachi 3, because one of his favorite things is sitting down at the table with his family in his house for a good godly meal. And if you feel like the bread that I serve is stale, then pray about it. God, this bread be bad lately. You need to help that man. Give him some fresh bread. I don't mind you praying about it. I need all the prayers I can get. Why go to church? Because it's where the family of God has their weekly family meal. Here's answer number five it's where you learn unconditional love. The church is where you learn unconditional love. Well, Preston, I minister to people on the streets. I love people on the streets. That's where I learn to love. No, that's temporary non committal love. That's typically, I'll serve people, I'll love on them, but I might not ever see them again. That's non committal love. Well, Preston, I learn love in my home with my family, okay? Well, that's love based on DNA, right? That's a major condition. We're talking about unconditional love. The church is where we learn unconditional love. Here's a great one-liner for you. The only way to learn unconditional love is to commit to live in community with a group of people who don't meet all of your conditions. Welcome to church. (laughs) Let me say it even more clearly. One of the reasons God didn't make me a perfect pastor is so that you would have to wrestle through it and love me anyway. One of the reasons God didn't make you a perfect member is so I would have to wrestle with it and love you anyway. The church is where the family of God learns to love unconditionally. Here's answer number six. It's one of God's favorite places to meet with you. Why should you go to church? Because it is absolutely one of God's favorite places to meet with you. If you put a marker in Deuteronomy 12, we're going to read a little bit of a long passage here, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit of a historical story about our church and me. Deuteronomy 12, verse 4, a very, very, very important passage to our church and to me. Do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagan peoples worship their gods. How, how are they worshiping? Uh, they were crafting idols and worshiping them at home. Verse five, rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship. God himself will choose from among all the tribes the place where his name will be honored. There you, Preston, will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, your offerings to fill vow, your voluntary offerings, and your offerings of the firstborn animals of your herd and flocks. Preston, this is where you will bring my tithe and every gift you give to me. The place where I choose. Verse seven, there you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord your God and you will rejoice in all you have accomplished because the Lord your God has blessed you. This is so special to me, this passage. And I remember the first time God made it jump off of the page. It was almost 12 years ago. And Holly and I were living in Dallas. The elders there had already privately voted and decided that they were going to send Holly and me to Scottsdale to plant this church. But no one else knew. And so at that time, uh, it, it, it was three years before we left. And during that time, on our own dime, like Nehemiah, I, and sometimes Holly and I, would fly out here under the cover of darkness just to come and pray. And about 11 and a half to 12 years ago, I'll never forget it, I was sitting in the middle of the courtyard of the Civic Plaza in downtown Scottsdale. I was facing uh, the courthouse, the office of the mayor. To my right was the Scottsdale Performing Arts Center. To my left was the Saguaro Hotel. I was sitting down Indian style, had my Bible in my lap, had my headphones on, and I was just in a really sweet time of worship and exaltation. It was really, really sweet. We all know I can be strong. This wasn't one of those strong go-get-it times. It was a really sweet time. I'll never forget I felt the Lord say, go to Deuteronomy 12. Now what you need to know is at that time I had no idea where we were going to meet as a church. The Lord had already told me Preston, I wanna calibrate you. Everyone else is expecting this to start huge, but I want you to know, it's gonna start small. It's gonna start small. So here I am sitting in the instile, got the Performing Arts Center. See, it's 850 people, almost $5,000 a weekend to rent. I have no idea where we're gonna meet and I know nothing about the Performing Arts Center. says go to Deuteronomy 12 and I start reading phrase after phrase you will worship the Lord in the place where I choose you will worship the Lord in the place I choose you will bring the tithing and the offering to the place I choose I get to the end of the chapter and I I was in this sweet moment and I'm not kidding you it was so strong and I didn't understand it I think until this week but I felt the Lord in that moment go I choose here just like that and it kind of scared me a little bit and I responded saying, Lord, you've got to be crazy. 850 seats, you're telling me it's going to start small. I, there's, this is insanity. You know what they're all going to think about it. They're going to think I'm some arrogant little kid starting with 850 seats. He didn't stop. I choose here. It wasn't until this week. I'm not saying the Lord said this. I'm just giving you an I wonder. We talked last week about Ephesians 6. That there are things going on in the unseen realm. There's a war, not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the unseen world. Anybody know what's happening this weekend at the Saguaro Hotel? The satanic temple was holding their very first conference. And they chose the city of Scottsdale. 11 and a half years, I sat Indian style alone with my God, a hundred yards away from the place I didn't know we would meet as a church. That's where our church started. And I just wonder, in the realm I cannot see, I just wonder, I can't wait to get to heaven and watch the heavenly TiVo on this. I just wonder if there wasn't an army of angels above that building waiting for us to begin. And I wonder if over that Sawara hotel, There was an army of demons. And what if God wasn't talking just to me? And what if the reason he was so strong was because he wasn't looking at me when he said, I choose here? What if he was looking at the opposing side and said, I choose here? And in my opinion, if that's the way it went down, all of heaven, all of hell shook. You can hold your little conference. But our God reigns. And even with 67 people in the second week, I'll still take my team and my God over any of you. God said, I choose right here. The church is one of his favorite places to meet with you. He says, I want you to worship me where I choose. I want to bring your gifts and your tithe where I choose. That's where I want to meet with you. This brings us to the last question, and it'll be quick, I promise. What do I do with the church? So if I'm gonna go to church, what do I do with the church? Two things. First, serve him and them in it. Serve him and them in it. 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well. To serve one another. Who's the one another? Other believers is the context of this passage. Use them to serve the family of God. And the implication is in the house of God, not just there, but don't forget there. Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. The family of God in the house of God. So let me give you the picture. You know what it's like? Do you know what happens in our church when God gives you a gift? And we're gonna talk about the gifts later in this series. You know what it's like when God gives you a supernatural gift and you give it to me? You wanna know what happens to me? How amazing that makes me feel? How my heart feels like it explodes when the God of the universe gives you a gift and you give it to me? This is how it feels. When God gives you a gift and you give it to me, my heart explodes and my life is changed. This is why I want you to serve using your gifts in the house of the Lord. Because we have people all of the time who come into our church, who are in really dark and tough places. And the enemy is beating them up and saying, you're nothing, you're worth nothing. And they can't even wrap their head around the fact that Jesus died for them. But you know, one of the best ways to get their attention is for God to give you a gift and for you to give it to them. And they will light up like a Christmas tree. Serve him and them in it. And then here's the second thing that I am to do with the church. Sacrifice in it for them like him. Ephesians 5.25 For husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He gave up his life for her. What is a sacrifice? It's giving a gift which costs you much and can even hurt a lot. How do you know you're serving right in the house of God? It costs you much. And from time to time, it hurts a lot. Well, Preston, that's a great way to get volunteers. I'm not trying to get volunteers. I don't even like the word volunteer. I'm trying to talk to the family of God who feels like God called them to make this house their home in this season of life. God is doing something very special in our church. And I'm convinced there's only one way we can slow it down as a body we all refuse to take our place thanks for joining us today for more information about Gateway Church please visit us at gatewaylife.com have a great week